Hello, book lovers. You're listening to Both Sides Book Club with Katie and Debbie Allen. Every two weeks we get together and chat about a different book. We can't promise you that we will always agree, but then there are at least two sides to every story. Why don't you read with us and join in the conversation? Let's go. Welcome to Both Sides Book Club. This is episode seven. Think back to your childhood, how you used to paint, sing, write and play. The memories are joyful. They're full of freedom and fun. Why then did you ever stop? Why would you ever cease to do something that brought you so much joy? We grow up. We forget to do the things that were fun, silly and seemingly meaningless. But it's time to remember. This episode is proudly sponsored by The Cultivating Creative. The Cultivating Creative was made to bring back that childlike wonder and reawaken the creative inside of you. This four-week creative writing course was made for those of any ability, young or old. Its aim is to break down the barriers and judgment we place on ourselves and tap into the unfiltered artistic abilities that we all possess. Schools, adult literacy programs and individuals from all walks of life have already ordered and raved about the positive effects that the TCC has had in both the creative and mindfulness realm. To find out more, head to www.thecultivativecreative.com. Okay, so in this episode, we are talking about the Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams. In case you haven't had a chance to read it yet or need a little recap, this is a historical novel um, all to do with the writing of the very, very first Oxford English Dictionary, which took over 40 years to write from about the 1880s to the early 1920s. Mm. It mixes fact and fiction in that um, there is a, fi- a couple of fictional characters. The main character, Esme, a young girl, is fictional, but her father works at the scriptorium in Oxford where the words were collected and the dictionary was collated. Um, I chose this book because it ticked so many boxes for me. I've always been an absolute word geek as you know I love I love words I love dictionaries I always I always 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 have um and um when I was at uni um back in England um after I left school um I studied English language and literature and in the English language department library they had a complete set of first edition Oxford English Dictionary so 26 volumes it was absolutely massive and I was just fascinated fascinated by it Um, and you weren't allowed to take the dictionaries out but you could request a volume so I often used to go into the library and read and read (laughs) and look look up the words and so cute (laughs) I know and 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 read them um so um but having said that I actually didn't know all that much about how the dictionary came about came about and and was written Mm. so I found um the whole 
history of the writing and this book absolutely, absolutely fascinating. And I think also the time in which it was written, um, that period at the end of the 19th century and the early 20th century um, is um, a time that I find particularly interesting. So the background of the First World War and that whole um, women's suffrage movement in the UK, mm. um, it's an area of history that, that I grew up with I mean I wasn't alive then yeah. but but certainly at school and, you heard and about so it and, and, and read about and, it and, and yeah. studied it so yeah. um, so I liked all of those elements of the book mm-hmm. what did you think I'm nervous to talk about it because <laughs> I know how excited you are over over this particular one for me it wasn't my favorite book that we've read yeah um, I think. You know, but one of the great things about having a book club is encouraging you to read books that you probably wouldn't necessarily pick up. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't particularly, you've never particularly liked historical novels. I I do if they are World War Two, like, and onwards, but yeah. anything from World War One or before, I've never really drawn much... Um, I haven't really found relatable or I've never really found a connection to that. I think the thing with this book and why it's probably an area or that time period is something Mm. that I don't generally get drawn to. I think it's because I don't find it very relatable. And I think that's probably because the world has evolved so much. Yeah. And I've had the privilege to grow up in a very different time. Yeah. um, Where women's suffrage and that movement is something that, you know, my grandmother, my great-grandma, like, it's already passed. So yeah. it's like it's not really something that I – characters that are written in that w- world are never some, something that I get really necessarily drawn to. Mm. I think the thing that I really did like in this book, though, I mean, it's any book, I think it's really important when you've left the book to feel like you have taken, taken something, something away, fr- from, away it. from it, mm. is um, – Although I find the dictionary and words often very intimidating and confronting, um, I thought it was really fascinating to understand how the dictionary was put together. Yeah, absolutely. um, Especially, I think, because it's something I've never really thought about. Mm. I've always just used the dictionary as a resource. I've never really considered um, the thought or the process that goes into our English language. So I've always just, you know. Yeah, and I think I think the important thing about the Oxford English Dictionary um, that's different to um, to many, most dictionaries, in mm. fact, any dictionary that, that, you know, you'd have used at school mm. or I have a, a, a copy of the Macquarie um, Dictionary. <laughs> Which, by the um, way, is like this thick. <laughs> yeah, but it's, not, but it's not 26 volumes. Yeah. Um, but they all just give definitions and meanings for the word. They don't actually put them in, in context. Mm. Um, so they don't give historical usage mm. of of the word of the which word. obviously the oxford english dictionary is the only dictionary in the world that that does that um, and that was so fascinating yeah it really um yeah it it, it really was a history lesson in something yeah. that i would probably never have self you know indulged into learning about that so um And I think the really cool thing about um, this novel too is that although it is fiction, like you said before, there are still 
true events like it still followed the timeline of very much so and and the author the author said that um that you know she was very very careful to include the exact chronology um Mm. of the of the timeline of of the dictionary Mm. and um lots of the people are real people um and um the bond made the word that was missing Mm. um actually was, it was missing was missing yeah. was missing yeah um so so i think that that is is really interesting mm. um how did you feel about the characters in this like like you i have to say even though it's my pick and i loved i really enjoyed the book um i kind of feel as though um the way it was written, so the language it was written in, and mm. even the characters almost were secondary. Mm. Um, in the and 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 that's not a negative thing by any mm. any ways or means. I think it's as you said. It's 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 it comes. It reads as a personalised history book. Yeah, um, I agree. A, an, an accessible mm. history book. Mm. Um, so even though the character of Esme. Obviously, the, the the main character is is fictional. Mm. Um, I didn't really have any um, great expectations. Yeah. Of of yeah. her, I don't really felt feel as though the book was particularly a character based driven book. book. Yeah. What about um, you? Yeah, I think so. And one of the things. And this isn't, again, this isn't a negative thing. This is just something that I observed. I don't know whether or not the characters, not stereotypical in the sense, but um, that the events that happened kind of had been something that I've read about and heard about before. Yeah. Um, So to me, actually, the character that struck the most interest was Mabel, the the lady that worked in the market. (laughs) Just because I found her story Mm. really interesting because it's, that was a perspective that I hadn't really read much about before or seen in movies before. Mm. Um, and she added this element of um, well, just the funniness, really. Yeah. And, yeah. and also was another really good indication for a period piece stamp. Like yes. the way she spoke and the way that she just her experiences of the world and what she was teaching Esme were yeah. so um, in contrast to her world in the scriptorium that... I found that her character really probably the most interesting out of all of them. Mm. Um, and it almost mm. I felt Esme's was almost, not matter of fact, but I, even though she had her own trauma and went through a lot as well, I, I kind of, there wasn't as much substance, I think, with her character because I think it was more driven about her input with the... She was a conduit, really, yeah. to telling the story. Yeah, exactly. Rather than... Rather than necess- yeah, I, no, I can see that. Do you that. see what I mean? Yeah, no, was I there can, a character I can that see really that. stood out for you? I actually really like the character of Dita. Yeah. Um, you know, Esme's um, godmother. Pseudo... Uh, pseudo auntie pseudo, pseudo auntie, pseudo, yeah. pseudo godmother. Yeah. Um, and then... And there were two reasons I think that I liked her. One is that she was based on 
a very real character, a lady called Edith Thompson, who basically spent a whole much of her life actually working on the dictionary mm. and sending in words and editing them and, and, and defining the meanings. Which, by um, the way, if you don't know much about that time, that was very unusual. Unusual. Yeah. She was a one-off yeah. lady. Um, yeah, there were very, very, very few women who, who worked on the dictionary. Um, and um, But, but what I liked about her was um, um, the author Pip, um, I, I heard her talking about the book and about, about this character um, and about the real character of Edith Thompson. And, um, and there's actually not that much known about her. I mean, there's a whole lot of documentation and correspondence, letters and so on um, in her work on the dictionary. But her personal life and what kind of a person she was, nothing remains. So we don't actually know. Wow. So so um, Pip was in a dilemma because she really wanted to include her as a character, mm. but obviously needed to sort of flesh her flesh her out. Yeah. Um, and she, but she didn't want to do the real character a disservice. Mm. Um, so that's why we we kind of had like the the Dita side to her which is the fictional side mm. to her when she's um, dealing with Esme and Esme's father mm. um, and then we had the the Edith character which records sort of the true story yeah. of her work on the dictionary and mm. I and I thought that Pip was really successful in in doing that because I really actually um, warmed to this sort of slightly eccentric mm. blue stocking mm. um, you know middle-aged woman who was so academic on one hand but also so down to earth and mm. um, and you know and and looked out for Esme and helped mm. to, to guide her. So mm. I really enjoyed her character. Mm. Mm. I think um, the most interesting things with putting together the yeah. dictionary and also in this novel is that there was such a lack of female influence. Yeah, um, very much so. And my understanding from reading this is that, um, as you said, with the particularly with the Oxford Dictionary, is they um, use the word in a sentence to give you an example of the context. Yeah. And that was based off um, research because, you know, to publish something with, um, what's the word, the credentials or mm. to publish something properly, you have to be referencing um, yeah. real life works where that word yeah. has been used. Yeah, because that, the Oxford English Dictionary clumsy, but you has know what all, I mean. Yes, because the Oxford English Dictionary has always been an academic dictionary. Yeah, academic um, was the word, so um, yeah. 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 Um, and then, of course, at that time, there weren't actually very many published works published by uh, female yeah. authors, or yeah. you know, even in newspaper articles or anywhere. There were there were very very little females weren't really in the published world. Yes, because um, you know, at the time that the dictionary was being compiled, so by by late Vic, late Victorian times, mm. then yeah, sure, there were plenty of published female authors. But the whole point about the the dictionary was defining the first usage mm. of a particular word in order to give it um, 
credence. Mm. Um, and so that was historical. So, you know, it went back to to Shakespeare or to Chaucer or even, you know, in, in many words, to, to the Greek authors mm. um, in a historical context. Which and there that, weren't and, many. And, and, and women... If, well, even if women did write, they certainly weren't weren't published. Mm. Um, so it's a very gendered, um, yeah, construct. Yeah, and mm. it's something that I've I've never really considered or thought about. And I think the theme that this this book brings up is: Are there words for women, and are there words for men? And are, is a single word, does it mean different things if it's spoken to a woman or to a man yeah. or if it's spoken about a woman or a man? Um, and yeah. it plays with this whole, this whole, this whole thing of gender. And, um, and I think the interesting thing about it is even though the dictionary was put together to be a, um, as you say, an, an academic resource as something that was mm. true, was there bias when that was put together there had there has to have been i mean there's actually um another really really lovely anecdote yeah um that you know that we know that the vast majority of of the people who contributed to um the definitions and the words for the dictionary were, were men, men yeah. and the references that they used were, were from men were, were, were male, um, but there were a number of women who actually did work on the on the dictionary. Edith Thompson mm. um, was one, um, and James Murray, who was the editor, his wife and a couple of his daughters worked on it, and also the daughter of um, the man whose name escapes me for the moment, but um, he um, he ran the Oxford um, University Press. Mm -hmm. So they all worked mm. on on the dictionary. But when the dictionary was finally published in 1928, they held um, a launch dinner um, and none of the women were invited. Um, so it was all, it was all men. Um, and um, there was some concession given to the women. They were, the women were actually allowed to sit up on the balcony um, overlooking the men eating their dinner and they were given a copy of the menu of the food that the men were eating as a souvenir. Mm. I mean, you know, how extraordinary mm. is is that? And um, as mum and I were, you know, before each episode, we always do a little yeah. bit of research and do a bit more digging, but we thought that probably the, the best thing would be to give some examples and to discuss them between us whether or not, you know, is that word female or implied for fe females only or is it a man's word or a what or is it you know derogatory of either gender yeah i mean this you know the reading reading this book and, and doing a bit of research about it it did i mean both of us really started to think about male and female words mm. um and, and even we, ones that i use and i didn't even yeah, I, you know, I use it in common language and don't really necessarily think about, yeah, well, what is the actual meaning of that word? And am I being dismissive of any sort of gender or any sort of inequality? Mm. Um, anyway, shall we? Well, let's yeah. get into it. So we'll just dig the iPad out from underneath the cushions <laughs> and let's have a look at some words. Okay, feisty. Feisty. 
Can a man be feisty? I definitely feel like it is implied. It is used more in a feminine way. Mm. Like, oh, she was a bit feisty. Um, and weirdly, I think it also is implied to animals. I feel like um, that cat that was caught. A, yeah, that cat was a bit feisty, or like um, yeah. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't think I've I don't, ever. I don't think I've ever heard a man being called feisty feisty no me either a child could a, a child, child a child could yeah. be, a child could be feisty yeah i suspect that a boy child a boy a little boy yeah. do you think do you think what do you think yeah i don't do know a little, boy, <laughs> a little boy could be feisty maybe but i think generally it is it's a female it's a yeah it's a female and um, is it used to be a negative word yeah yeah well I it's not know, negative, but, but I feel like negative, it's implying it, it, that they were they they showed re- resistance or they showed um, um, they weren't put whoever you're not implying, ladylike tendencies. Not ladylike tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. What's the next one? Okay, emotional. Emotional. I think definitely this word, um, even through my growing up, my yeah. coming of age, I think emotional has changed. I think definitely it was. When I was younger, it was a word that explained a woman like, oh, oh, she's being oh, she's so being, emotional. Or, or even I think also toddlers can be, oh, they're very emotional. Yeah. Um, and As in not being able to control their emotions. Yeah, exactly. As yes. in not being able to control their emotions. Yeah. I think the cool thing with emotional now is I feel like it's started to change in that I feel like women are now saying emotional to men to be condescending to them if they're like behaving or having a big reaction. Do you think so? Yeah, think, I think so. Do you think so? I, I mean, can I a man so. can a man not be not be emotional? I mean, I kind of thinking, you know, that that um, that these days that we expect our men both to be manly, yeah. and, but also to be to be sensitive. So, can the emotional not be used in a in a positive? Way? I think it definitely can be mm. used in a positive way, but I think the way that I would use it is if I was talking to a girlfriend and, yeah. um, you know, my boyfriend or whatever was having a hissy fit or, yeah. or being annoyed about something, I would turn to her and say, oh, he's being a bit emotional. But even then, I'm going, well, actually, I'm being kind of condescending because yeah. I'm using it the way that I'm so used, used to, being, to being, used. being used towards me mm. or towards a female. Yeah. So I think that word is is changing and developing. Okay. All right. I've got one. Ditsy. 100% female. 100% female. 100% female. When has the air for being a ditsy man? <laughs> I don't think. I, I've never met a ditsy man. Okay. I've actually, never caught a man ditsy. <laughs> no. No, but isn't that so bad that we're yeah. laughing? Because ditsy okay. is just is, is it's so it, derogatory. It's so derogatory. <laughs> yeah, we we are mm. comfortable with laughing yeah. at it. Yeah. Okay. Bossy. Bossy. Can a man be bossy, or a woman can certainly be bossy. Woman is definitely bossy. Again, children bossy. I feel like you always you always hear children calling each other. Oh, yeah. you're being a bit bossy, but um. I kind of, I actually kind of think, I actually kind of think, I actually kind of think that maybe a man can, yeah, can be bossy. Yeah. Oh, he was being a bit bossy. He was being a bit bossy. But again, yeah. maybe that's like the, you know, like uh, emotional, like it's starting to develop. It's mm. changing. Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Yeah. That we, that we would say, well, I mean, bossy is always slightly derogatory, but yeah. But you're going like, oh, stop being so bossy. 
Yeah, um, yeah. I think I would yes. say that to yeah. a man. I would say, oh, jeez, oh, he was a bit bossy. bossy. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. Okay. Okay. Frumpy. I don't think I've <laughs> ever, I don't think I've ever called a man frumpy. I think, I think I'm going to start calling men frumpy. I'm also going, like <laughs> men that wear like really baggy jeans might maybe have a bit of a stomach. <laughs> I would say they were a bit, it's a bit frumpy. But frumpy, Those jeans look but a bit frumpy, frumpy. But frumpy kind of has the connotations. Frumpy very English. It's too. very English, and it is very sort of blue stocking. It's it's. Yeah. Um, I don't think, uh, and I think there's also sort of a lot of socioeconomics with with frumpy. Yeah. It's kind of Miss Marple. Yeah. You know, it's English villages. Or poorly or English. and poorly dressed, I think as well. It, it, it's not so English much school, a, old English school teachers, yeah. Edie Blyton sort yeah. of type things. Yeah. Frumpy. I think you're yeah. right. I think it does have a socio-economic yeah. twist to it. Yeah. What else you've got? Okay. Um, what about hysterical? Hysterical. I think that is a pretty strongly traditional word for a female. Um, mm. Like back in the days when. Um, being hysterical was a psychiatric. Oh, you could be committed. I mean, not, committed not that long, for, not not that that long, long ago. ago, right? Yeah. And, and the word yeah. would always be used as yeah. if a woman shows signs of hysteria or is hysterical that they therefore are insane and have to be committed. So I yeah. think traditionally that's definitely been yeah. something that you would. I wouldn't. I feel like maybe that word is also starting to change. I think. Do you? I'm, I'm not sure that it. I don't think in the same way. Mm. I don't think in the way that it. I think it. It's more used, um, if you were using it with a male, it would be more of a sympathetic thing. Like mm. he was so upset he was hysterical um, rather than the way that it's traditionally being used to dismiss female for uncontrollable emotions. Like yeah. if, 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 you know, if somebody had died and there was a, a friend of mine, you know, and he was very, very upset, I would, you say, would say. You would call, you oh, would say he was, he he was, was so hysterical. upset. He was, he was hysterical. hysterical. It was so heartbreaking. Okay. But okay. I don't. I would never call a man hysterical with the same derogatory meaning as what it has traditionally been used yeah. for a female. Yeah. I mean, I think I would say that he was just overwhelmed or or overcome, um, yeah. rather than rather than hysterical. What about pushy? Both. I'm gonna say both. You think both? Definitely both. Definitely. Yeah. I think like male bosses can be like. I feel like that's in the in, overbearing. Overbearing. He was very pushy. It's interesting because I feel like the common yeah. theme here is that the words are changing and developing. Yeah. But um, pushy, I definitely think, can be a male, but I think it's there's a stereotype to a pushy male. Okay, yeah. But isn't there a stereotype to a pushy woman too? I feel like any woman that is demanding something or asking for something. Or is being seen as or, ambitious. Or seeing as ambitious or requesting something will immediately get told they're being pushy. Mm. But I think what what I'm trying to say is I feel like women are so quickly are quick to be called pushy. Yeah. But for a man, I think you can call a man pushy, but I feel like they would really have to be being pressing, like really persistent. Persistent. I kind of think that maybe, yeah, in a male context, then it means more sort of persist, uh, unpleasant persistence. Unpleasant persistence. Rather, rather than, than just than being ambitious or asking for something, yeah. which I think... Um, yeah. So I, f- mm. I feel like you can use pushy for a male, but I do feel like women get... Um, receive mm. that word or be, uh, you know, given that name... Mm. A lot quicker like yeah. the the scale of being told someone's yeah. pushy is a lot 
is a lot less. Yeah. Don't you reckon? Yeah, yeah. What about frigid? That has frigid. that's a woman. That's a frigid. woman. Frigid is a woman. Mm. Yeah. Such a sad one. <laughs> Cold, frigid. Yeah, but it's such a, it's it's used in such a horrible way. Oh, it's a horrible word. It's an absolutely horrible word. It is word. horrible. It, yeah. And I feel like it's used in the sense of that if you're self-respecting, you're frigid. But yet if you are, you know, you you venture into, you know, kissing a guy or being involved, then automatically you're deemed the opposite. You're, yeah. uh, you're you know, promiscuous. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I feel like frigid is such a, is such a yes. condescending word, but yet then you're the opposite, mm. I feel like, so commonly. Mm. What do you reckon? No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I don't think there's anything good about the word frigid except if it's talking about the weather. Um. <laughs> I don't think I've ever called the weather frigid. No, it looks a little frigid today. <laughs> really? I've never heard that context. That's it's funny. It's cold. Ah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, cold. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think I've yeah. ever called a guy fridge. frigid. <laughs> no. Um, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone call a guy frigid. No, no, no. no. A guy can't be can't be frigid by Mm-mm. definition, really. Anything. The other interesting thing when I was doing, it's not on your list, but when I was doing some research into mm. it, I was looking at words with their meaning before the dictionary came out. Yep. Um, so a really good example is, um, so the word governess, what does governess mean to you? What do you think governess is? A governess? Um, yeah. a, a, a teacher. I had like a... Um, but yeah, particularly of in- children, generally? Um could also be like a governess of a prison, like somebody yeah. who's an or- a female authority, authoritative yeah, okay. so, figure. So maybe that's yeah. a bad example because the word actually did derive from being a woman of authority. Yeah. But, tradu- but more commonly it is used as... Yeah, uh, as, a, as a, somebody who looks after children. Yeah, for example, yeah. Mary Poppins. What were they looking for? They were looking for a governess, mm. somebody to look after their children, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. Which again is another, you know, you've you've taken the word from meaning a woman of authority and you've dismissed her to then being a mm. person of childcare. Mm. Um, and then the other really interesting word that I I didn't know the meaning of was um, hussy. So yep. what does a hussy mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> if um, I was uh, to call you a hussy, what would you think I would be meaning? <laughs> <laughs> you would be calling me promiscuous. Yeah, I would be calling you getting around a bit too much, Mark. <laughs> Right? The word hussy actually meant huswife. It was like a Scandinavian word. Oh, really? That actually means housewife. Okay. So it didn't mean any of the promiscuous kind. It actually just meant, um, you know, to to be the the housewife. Um, And one more really interesting word that I actually, I was blown away by, which was all before the the dictionary came out, was tart. If I'm calling you a tart... Or I'm describing someone, yes. Mum. She was such a tart. tart. What do you think I'd be saying? Again, but I think it. I think, but I think it, it varies because uh, what uh, you'd be calling them a prostitute. What's the first thing you're assuming? A prostitute. Yeah. But did you know the original meaning of tart yeah. was another word of sweetheart? So to call someone a tart, it was actually an endearing term to compliment somebody. But, but that's actually what I was going to say because growing up in in the UK, yeah. Um, my girlfriends and I used to call each other, you old tart. Um, 
Yeah, I've heard and that, but yeah, I've never. Go, I've always thought it was a bad hello, thing. You are, hello, you old tart. Yeah, and not in a derogatory way. So obviously, in a more historical yeah. way. Um, That's so, so funny. I don't think I haven't. I haven't said that for a long time. But yeah, we did. We call it. Oh, you old. Yeah. you old tart. So I think the <laughs> point that we're getting at is I think it's just interesting the way that when you've got a an academic. Um, transcript like the Oxford Dictionary, is there bias in it? Is, is, is there, should the dictionary be something that is completely, this is what the word means? Mm. You know, or, or should it be giving you a contextual example? And if it does give you a contextual example, should it be swayed, you know, should, should it be neutral to gender or any sort of, um, discrimination i mean i i think um the thing about that is that um the oxford english dictionary um doesn't determine what words mean Mm -hmm. basically it records usage Mm -hmm. so it's always going to be historical Mm -hmm. um at the moment they're actually working on the third edition and Mm -hmm. and actually go figure like three editions in a hundred a hundred years. Yeah. Um, there must be some so, serious changes. Completely. Yeah. So, but back to the point that it it only records the way words are commonly used. So it's always going to be catching up. It's never actually mm. going to to be where uh, the English language is, is now at at any any current mm, point because because words get added words fall out of usage mm. the meaning of words changes mm-hmm. and i think it's quite i think it would be quite tricky or quite dangerous if the dictionary did start trying to predetermine the way in which a word could be used mm-hmm. because again it's going to change that question. because so, again because again it's going to change it, it's going to is, change the question in that is mm. that if we don't know the word and we look it up and it does have a derogatory meaning or a discriminating meaning yeah. is the first experience that we've had with that word and been taught how to use it in we're getting taught to use it in that sort of a way i mean that that's that's tricky isn't it it is because um, i find it interesting that at universities now mm. you're not allowed to write at, from his or her perspective it's what's the word when you're when you're writing from your gender neutral your, yeah your gender yeah. neutral throughout yeah so I find it really fascinating that through academia you're not you have to be gender fluid, non-specific, and non-specific or, right? Mm, mm. But yet the Oxford Dictionary or the dictionary at this point still isn't. But but because it is recording usage, it's not determining. Yeah. It's different. I mean, at, at universities you have a style guide. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know the uh, we have. Over there on the shelf, there there is the Australian Style Guide, which is which is there as a, the as a reference manual for writers and editors and mm. so on um, as to how words should be should be used. Mm. And obviously, mm. that will change um, over a period of time. Mm. Whereas the Oxford English Dictionary is meant to stand. Um, for all time, mm-hmm. and it and it will it it does record how usage has changed. Has That's has an amazing changed. period. Um, period. Stamp, so isn't it? Um, so no, I am firmly on the <laughs> on the side of leave the dictionary alone. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, but I, mean, I, but, I, I um, just don't know. I don't know where yeah. I sit with that. But, um, but, um, but I think the thing is, though, um, and, and the beauty of having things like the reference of, of the internet and so mm. on and a non- official academic dictionaries mm-hmm. like the urban dictionary yeah. or or google any, or, or google or you know yeah. i mean i i do it all i'm not so diehard and old school that mm-hmm. i will always look things up in a hard copy of mm-hmm. a dictionary and mm-hmm. you know i'll be googling them and going oh what does that mean or what was the context in which in which it was used mm-hmm. um and i think that maybe that is the two resources together um, yeah, uh, that, that's that's more what I wonder. Mm, I mean, I'm mm. not for or against. I just think this book really brought the question in my mind is um, should a dictionary purely just state what the word means and then we mm. use resources like the Urban Dictionary or Google or other yeah. things to find context in which that is what's used, for example, um, or even your parents or anyone like, yeah. you know, I used to hate when you always used to say <laughs> look it up in the dictionary I'm like i don't want to go and get your big dictionary like mum, just tell me what the word means give yeah. me an example of what the mm. word means yeah so i wonder you know if i guess time will only tell when the next edit comes out yeah will the sentences that give example or context to what the word means will they be gender neutral will they get rid of all of the discrimination mm. that it has previously been because mm. they're 100% has been discrimination in mm. the dictionary mm. um, or or will it not? And I think for me that's what got me excited about the book, something mm. that I necessarily didn't first enjoy but yeah. then came to realise how cool it, it's yeah. it's taught me something about, yeah. about our language that we use every day. So, mm. yeah. What do you think? Yeah, what do you think? Let us know. <laughs> what should the Oxford Dictionary tell what us? What should the Oxford English Dictionary tell us? Should it determine how words are used or should it be a reference of how words have been used? Now, I'm pretty okay. excited because we yes. opened it up to all of you guys yeah. to select what our July books will be. And um, we did this big vote. Well, yep. we had six books and we reined in all of your votes and we have two decisive winners and yes. we are about to discuss the first winner, which is... The Coconut Children by Vivian Pham. I was so excited that you had all picked The Coconut Children by Vivian Pham because I had actually already read it. Um, and I absolutely love this story. It is essentially a coming of age story with a teenage romance between a character called Sunny and Vince. Um, And they both grow up in this area in West Sydney called Cabramatta, which has, in the 90s, which actually is known for having a lot of um, drug problems and they're being, it's, you know, it's it's a pretty rough area of Sydney, but, there is a large population of um, Vietnamese refugees that live there and both Sonny and Vince, um, their families are refugees from Vietnam and they came over um, on the on the boats. So really interesting story um, but also very very sweet. So I hope you all enjoy it and I cannot wait to see you all reading it along with us. All right okay well actually just before we go, um, um, I hope you all notice, um, uh, even though Katie doesn't like historical novels and she's not interested in anything that took place. 
before, <laughs> before the Second World War. I hope you all notice her little Victorian outfit today. Well, look, I might not <laughs> like reading about the Victorian era, but I like dressing up for the part. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Okay, so until next time, see you soon. Happy reading. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find us on Instagram at bothsides.bookclub. We'll see you soon.